What is up, y'all? This is Scarlett, a.k.a. Scardi B, a.k.a. your resident emo historian. And join me as I unpack the history of Fall Out Boy and hip-hop. Look, y'all, there is a lot to cover in this limited-run podcast. So strap on in, because sugar, we're going in. What is up, y'all? Welcome back to Sugar. We're going in. It's your girl, Scardi V. You know the fucking vibes. I'm so, so excited to be back with y'all. I took a tiny little bit of a break because when I say life be lifing, I promise you, I'm not just being like, oh, my toe, oh, my nail, like, oh my God, I just tripped and like life be lifing. Like life has seriously been kicking my ass, but like in the best way. So I've had the most unhinged four weeks of my entire life, y'all. Aquarius season did not come to play. It beat the shit out of me and all for good reason. So number one, I went to the Grammys for the first time. It was insane. I was so, so thankful to be there. I've been a Grammy chapter member in Philly for about two years now. So to be able to be there after watching the Grammys my entire life was so, 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 so inspiring. And not to mention, I got into the music industry and wanting to work in music because of Fall Out Boy and although they weren't nominated when they totally should have been nominated, the the day of the Grammys, I'm really into numbers y'all, but it was 2-4 February 4th, 2024 and it also just so happened to be the day of the anniversary of Fall Out Boy getting back together after hiatus. I just think it was very wax poetic of the universe to give me that gift to be able to go there and realize a dream of mine on a very special day. Our boys came back. So I went to the Grammys and something happened that not at the Grammys, but during my trip to LA that I can only reveal on March 5th. So please, please, please keep an eye on my socials because I will be talking about it. And it's not Fall Out Boy related, but it might be. I, I can't even get too much deeper into this without ruining about 13 NDAs. Anyway, I also turned 30. Yes, I'm an old fart. I mean, no, not an old fart. I mean, I feel younger than ever. I am so thankful to be alive. And my God, again, 30 is just what a milestone. And to be able to reach it doing so many things that I love is incredible. I also quit my job of nine years, y'all. I've decided to go into full-time entrepreneurship, find what the next <laughs> what the next gig is for me. And I feel on top of the world because of the experiences, the community, and the connections I've made. And I'm so excited to keep spreading my Scardi B magic somewhere else, whether it's for myself or another company. Fall Out Boy, Feel by Ramen, y'all hiring? Anyway... So quit my job of nine years. And when you listen to this, I will be a married woman. So crazy to say, but I, this pod, this episode comes out uh, about two days after my wedding, which is absolutely insane. So a lot has happened, but most importantly, tour dust is kicking off. My God, this is the biggest news out of everything I just said. And some upcoming shows that I'll be at that I would love to meet y'all at. I've got pins. I've got stickers. I'll trade bracelets. Whatever y'all want to do, I will be at Orlando 
on March 15th. I'll be in Jacksonville the 16th. I'll be in Baltimore the 20th. I'll be at MSG the 22nd. And I will be at Nashville. So all those are March dates. And I hope to see you there. I'll also be tweeting my location and make sure to update my Instagram on where I'm at because I would love, love, love to meet you. Come give me a hug. Let's take a picture, grab some stickers, do the whole thing. I would love to. Some more places to see me IRL um, would be at my next emo bingos. Um, on March 8th, I will be at Delaware's The Queen, Wilmington. That is a free emo bingo starting at five o'clock. And it's right before live emo karaoke. So there will be a live band there and it's going to be such a good time. So that's March 8th. That's a Friday in Delaware. And then Wednesday, April 17th at City Winery, Philadelphia. I'm bringing back emo bingo. So get ready. Ready for more concert tickets, more prizes, and more of that amazing good time. Y'all have sold out these last two emo bingos, and I've only had two. So please, let's keep it up. Let's keep screaming. Every time that I do these, I, I, I don't recognize as many people, and I think that's so amazing, just the power of music and bringing people in. They have no clue who I am, which is like, no worries, we're already best friends, but it's it's just so awesome to be able to be doing these emo bingos, and I feel like I shine up there. That's my shit. I got to wrap the whole <laughs> verse on, on clothes off, and I got paid. That's amazing. What's the meme go? It goes... It goes, turned my emo phase into a career. Call it LinkedIn Park. Um, that's very funny and maybe a little chuggy of me. We'll, we'll see. But that is what has been going on with me. And then finally, for some housekeeping before we jump into this episode, we're literally already six minutes into this intro and I'm so sorry. No, I'm not. But finally, stay tuned for shout outs. I have a phone number that you can call or text and reach me. I won't be picking up because, you know, I don't be doing all that. Um, but you can call, leave a message, send a text. You can give shout outs to yourself, to friends, share your favorite phone up with memories confessions all are welcome and they can be anonymous so just let me know and i'll play them on the pod and say your messages to me that number is nine zero eight eight nine nine three four eight nine i'll also put it in the show notes but please call text leave me a message and i will be playing a couple of them right at the end of this episode so it might be you next time i don't know Last episode, I learned so, so, so much from the legendary Clinton Sparks, y'all. Get familiar himself. It was a very wild and full circle moment to have the man that birthed CFOB telling me all about it, including the fact that the iconic Luda intro was a surprise even to fall up. I mean, I can't imagine that. I can't imagine hearing that for the first time and just being like, is that motherfucking Luda? I mean, let's just please listen again to that intro together as a class what up this is Ludacris. letting you know the new fallout boy album in stores november 4th new album is called folly i do or folly i do man i don't know how to man i don't speak french what the fuck is this <laughs> pete man i see you trying to dj right now i hear you want to be a rapper what man don't even try <laughs> don't even try to come into my territory man I'll battle you to the death. Yo, Clint Sparks, do what you do best. And get these people familiar, god damn it. Why the fuck would y'all name y'all album some shit people can't even pronounce? This some bullshit. 
Just make sure you go get it when it come out. Loader. You just heard 40 seconds of the most legendary intro in the history of the world. Hyperbole? Maybe. Do I care? No. So if you couldn't tell, we are in 2008, baby. And these episodes, ooh, I've been waiting. And they have motherfucking arrived. And yes, it's time that we talk about Fall Out Boy's best album, Foley Adu. And no, I will not be taking feedback at this time. My love for Foley Adu has only grown throughout the years, especially with her sister album, So Much for Stardust, dropping in 2023. And no, I will not be elaborating on that one further because just listen to it. Patrick went from like dabbling in these big sweeping compositions and Foley to arranging this cinematic album full of depth and the most Danny Elfman Oingo Boingo feels. I mean, 10 out of 10, Patrice, you did that. Scrumptious. Amazing. And yes, I did say episodes because as the queen of context, dun, 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 I will be breaking down an overview of influences and what we can look into with Foley for those who haven't heard it. And after that, we'll get into the collaborations on this album that rocked me sideways. While I remember this album changing my life, it had very, very mixed reviews. While the critics liked it or, you know, they were at least indifferent, which I you know, say it's actually being indifferent is worse than whatever. While the critics liked it, or at least were indifferent, which sucks, the fan reception was mostly abysmal, to put it lightly. I am shaming, I'm fully shaming the Fall Boy community back when Foley Adu came out because y'all weren't ready for what was presented. Y'all weren't ready to hear about those topics, to hear how it was presented. And I mean, again, abysmal to put it lightly there was booing and the lowest record sales so far from their you know major studio releases for example about 150,000 were sold the first week compared to their last album infinity on high that sold 260,000 copies and then from under the cork tree selling 268,000 records the first week not to mention the stress and strain and burnout that skyrocketing fame caused. The cracks were starting to show. And although they hated each other, my God, did it make for good music, okay? But like, I digress on that one. That part is not my story to tell. I can just be a nosy, opinionated Dominican who just simply wasn't there, but a girl can infer, okay? It wasn't until their latest tour in 2023 that they've been playing a lot more of it live, including Pavlov. And thank God, because I think it just was able to create new fond memories of performing this live now that they've really come into like, you know, full circle maturity. And I feel like a lot of the fans are now at that age that they can really feel and be impacted by a lot of what this album had to give. Over time, listeners and fans alike have come to appreciate the album for its creativity and unique sound and is nowadays seen as like Fall Out Boy's a magnum opus, okay? So Fall Out Boy themselves have seemingly ideally recovered from this initial negative reception from the album and Foley is now one of the albums that they've showed the most love to specifically on their most recent tour with you know a lot of deep cups from the album being played Patrick played whams on the piano which ended me um and even played them frequently as part of like their magic eight ball surprise songs during the set let's start at the top 
an album's gotta come out, right? Wrong. Shit got pushed back. So set to release in November before the elections, Pete stated that it was just not a cutesy election to use this album tour to around. And he wasn't wrong. So December 10th in Japan and December 16th worldwide in 2008, Foley Adu came kicking and screaming into a world that simply was not ready for it. After the worldwide success of their previous two albums, From Under the Court Tree and Infinity on High, Fall Out Boy's fourth album, Folia Du, saw them going outside of the box compared to like their previous pop punk releases. I'm doing so many quotations in the air right now. And although collaborative, the stories do go that it felt like Pete was really kind of taking a backseat to focus on like real life things that were happening. Patrick took the helm. And Joe and Andy felt like they were just left to execute. And that's not the fallout boy way. Although the band might not have been as intercollaborative, the album does feature many collaborations from artists that the band members look up to, like Pharrell Williams and the Neptunes having production credits on Whams, Blondie, the lead singer Debbie Harry having doing some backing vocals on West Coast Smoker, and an ensemble cast that included motherfucking Elvis Costello, Brendan Urie, Alexander DeLeon, William Beckett, Travi McCoy, Gabe Saporta on What a Catch Donnie, aka the saddest song and video in the entire fucking world. I digress. Sonically, the album tends to deviate from the band's, oh, here we go, quote and unquote, put punk roots that took them to stardom and really it was just what made them known and dives more into what is called like arena rock and R&B territory, like the cinematic opener of Disloyal Order and Water Buffaloes or again, the track produced by the Neptune's Whams shows like a take on Fall Out Boy's music, a flip on it that I feel like we haven't experienced yet. And other songs like 27 and West Coast Smoker like really showcases like the band's harder edge and like obviously where their roots are. While like singles like I Don't Care and America's Sweethearts are more reminiscent of the pop and pop punk that made fallout boy other notable tracks um include the fan favorite head first slide into cooper sound on a bad bet and it is a showcase of patrick's vocal range and just techniques in general 20 dollar nosebleed is a duet between patrick and panic of the disco's frontman brendan yuri and tiffany blues features a guest verse from lil wayne and i mean this is 2008 lil wayne like top of the motherfucking world lil wayne and he was on motherfucking foley i'll do nuts the album showcased a departure from the previous sound sure that's what you want a band to do you want them to grow and they incorporated a lot more diverse musical elements and a lot deeper of like lyrical themes foley i do featured a super impressive lineup of tracks like that is a no skips album for me i'm like punching <laughs> 
my fist against my palm. I feel so strongly about this. And like each song offers such a unique sonic experience. And I specifically want to spotlight in this episode and give flowers to the black music musicians and artists that inspired this album. If it wasn't for black music, I I don't think Folia do could have, would have, should have, could ever be what it was. And I just really want to showcase that before we even get into what it did end up being. Guitarist Joe Troman cited Prince as an inspiration to his playing style on the record, while critics also heralded Patrick as an unlikely blue-eyed soul star, and they likened his vocals to the Delta Blues virtuoso John Lee Hooker of Clarksdale, Mississippi. The album's blend of pop, hip-hop, jazz, gospel, and all those influences paired with the thoughtful lyrics really landed with me in a really really big way it felt like a new way of listening to music and it didn't feel forced or corny and was equally inspiring and introspective as watching like live improvised jazz it was definitely an experience for me I will never forget and again still sticks with me to this day in Foley Fall Out Boy incorporates a lot of elements of jazz and blues throughout their complex chord progressions, the intricate melodies, and not to mention the soulful rhythms. Songs like She's My Winona, The Shipped Gold Standard really showcase Fall Out Boy's ability to infuse their pop punk sound with uh, a lot more jazzier chords and like bluesy undertones. Patrick's vocals are so incredibly soulful and most importantly dynamic, like the range that motherfucker has if you know, no motherfucker knows. Um, they further amplify a lot of these influences that they obviously have, and they create a sound that is both familiar, but original and innovative, making Folia do a no skips album. Again, point period blank, no skips on that album. Soul and funk are genres known for their infectious groove, their emotive vocals, energetic performances, and follow up with channels all of these influences in tracks like America's Sweethearts and Head for Slide into Cooperstown on a Bad Bet. America's Sweethearts specifically like features a funky bass line and like a rhythmic guitar riff and gives like that nod to the classic funk sound. And Patrick's vocals are so fucking powerful and add an even deeper dimension to the track and it creates such a dynamic blend that is so uniquely Fall Out Boy that it's no wonder why someone like Lil Wayne would end up remixing it. And we will talk about that remix in the next episode. Ow. Gospel music is categorized by its uplifting melodies, its rich harmonies, and more specifically its spiritual themes. While not overtly gospel in style, like Folia do incorporates elements of gospel music through its like choruses, lyrics, harmonies, most important, and songs like Wham's really drive this home with specifically the last bit. And we'll get to more on that, but listen to this outro on Wham's, and we will also discuss it on the next episode when we talk about Pharrell's production and influence on this song. If we don't take medication, we won't sleep for days. We won't sleep for days. And mama, when 
we pray to the Lord. Does it sing on this day? Does it sing on this day? We wasted up in the back of a long dark car. And I sunshine machine. Oh, I want to get stuck. I want to get stuck. And we in your memory when doing research about Folia do and just whams in general a lot of people were like is this an original gospel song like is this an old like spiritual and it's like no this is Patrick Martin Von Stomp and a song that just kind of like sounds like it was recorded on his MacBook. It sounds like he was hitting the space bar as a percussion, but I think it gives such a unique insight into what lyric delivery does to a song and how quickly apparently a Fall Out Boy song can become a spiritual real quick. Finally, What a Catch Donnie is a prime example of all these influences coming together. It features a choir-backed chorus, and it just adds such a beautiful, you know, movie-like, majestic quality to a very special song. I mean, Patrick's delivery on that song and Pete's lyrics further underscore, like, the gospel-inspired elements of this track and of this album in totality. This is a song that Pete wrote for Patrick, and I think it hits different. If you weren't crying then, you should be crying now. Patrick has cited a wide range of musical influences that have shaped his approach to music. It is absolutely undeniable. I mean, soul legends like Marvin Gaye, Stevie Wonder, Ray Charles, jazz icons like Miles Davis, John Coltrane. Patrick's musical palette is diverse and eclectic. And we hear this in the development of his voice, his writing, and his compositions from here on out. And we know this is a Patrick Stump Stan podcast. I've said it from like the first, second, or third episode. Y'all know what y'all got into. So we're going to keep it rocking because Patrick's appreciation for these genres is so evident in his vocal delivery. And it, again, often incorporates soul, jazz, blues, and everything in between. You hear it, you feel it in his delivery and his performances. And his ability to seamlessly blend all these influences is what makes Fall Out Boy's signature sound a testament to time and a testament to the versatility he has as a musician, as a composer. I mean, the dude's got it. We have in Patrick one of the most unique and distinguished voices and ears of our generation. Are you still eh about what I just said or even, maybe even you just fucking rolled your eyes? Whatever. Please put on someone's random ass cover of any Fall Out Boy song. Good luck finding an ounce of soul and life in that. Patrick's ability to be Pete's voice has created something so unique I can only make a whole podcast episode about it. Like right now. Even today, we see how Fall Out Boy has masterfully weaved all these genres into their music, creating such a rich tapestry of sound that is both innovative and motherfucking timeless okay music history lesson context queening 
over. Y'all, we're going to wrap this up right here. I want y'all to know that this comes out February. So I wanted to say a very happy Black History Month to my brothers, my sisters, the ladies and the gentle thems celebrating this month now and forever. This podcast is for y'all. This podcast is to celebrate and absolutely put on a pedestal what Black music has contributed to society, to this band, to everything we love about this band and what they've been able to make. So happy Black History Month. I am so honored to be able to be telling these stories and filling y'all in on all this impactful, valuable context and history that we need to be able to enjoy things like folia do well there you have it some history some context knowing more about the black music history that made folia do come to life and it is such a beautiful album your homework is to listen to it if you are listening to fallout boy for the first time get to know my favorite album in the entire world it changed my life three times over and i said that about from under the cork tree i said that about infinity on high but folia do came in at such an important time in my life and i cannot give it enough thanks and praise um, and and just being able to provide you all with this information and be able to give flowers to the black musicians uh, that came before us in order to create this is extremely humbling and I love doing it so much all right well why don't we get into some shout outs this is brand new for the show so please excuse me there's no there's no good segue kind of like a mall cop but here is the first one. Hey, it's Sweet D. And my favorite Fall Out Boy memory has to be seeing them June 21st at Wrigley Field on my 18th birthday. That's so cute. I honestly didn't think I would even be seeing them. But at the last minute, I found free tickets on Facebook. It's so insane to me that I would have missed. Gay is not a synonym for shitty. LOL. I think that it has to be the best day of my life and something I'll never forget. Oh, sweetie, that was very sweet. I'm so happy you got to see that. And then next, we have a voicemail from Eric. Hi, Eric. Hi, this is Eric from Wisconsin. I have two memories of Fall Out Boy that I'd really like to share. The first one is from back in 2005, the age of 11. I had heard Grand Theft Auto before from a friend, but being the nerdy kid I was, picking up the Nintendo Fusion Tour sampler disc for my local Game Crazy is what really got me into the band. Later that year, I somehow convinced my dad to drop me off at the Milwaukee date of the tour. He absolutely thought it was some Nintendo nerd gamer event, and then not that he was dropping his 11-year-old son off at what would be my first concert. I finally told him about it later this year, and he said, well, you survived. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) Second memory that comes to mind is the January 2023 show at the Metro. I waited 14 hours in line with no ticket in the snow. So this is after driving five and a half-ish hours and sleeping at a truck stop in my car partway through the drive. I ended up meeting nine of my now best friends in that line, including my now girlfriend. Love you, Sarah. The show itself was incredible. Seeing all the energy and excitement at a small hometown venue is just impossible to beat. Most of that friend group even got matching tattoos to commemorate the show. So the memory of that day is something that will stay with me forever. Look forward to listening to more of the podcast. And yeah, thanks. Eric, that was so adorable. Now, if you want to be an absolute gem like Eric from Wisconsin or Sweet D, call or text in 908-899-3489. 
Shout outs, favorite Fallout Boy memories, confessions, all are welcome and they can be anonymous. I'll play them back on the pod and say your messages to me out loud on the pod. Also, a reminder, upcoming Fallout Boy shows I will be at. I'll have stickers, hopefully pins, some bracelets, maybe. Um, Orlando on March 15th, Jacksonville on March 16th, Baltimore on the 20th, MSG on the 22nd, and Nashville. Um, I can't wait to see you at an upcoming emo bingo. If you know anyone in Philly or Wilmington, I've got those dates in the show notes and on my socials. Come and hang out with me, your girl, Scardi B. This has been Sugar, we're going in. And we just went the fuck in. But you already know how we do it here. And I feel like we are ready for the next episode, diving deeper into two specific songs on Foley Do, Wham's and Tiffany Blues. We'll learn about Lil Wayne, Pharrell, and their lasting impact on the legacy of this album. This has been Scardi B, and the B today stands for Bye.